Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for August 14th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jacks Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, On You Practicing What We Preach. Just come to hear the sermon but that you appreciate our words and seem to value these 20 minutes, well, that's humbling. Thank you. You know, the best compliment I've ever gotten for a sermon happened years ago. The woman came out the door and she said, that was a great sermon. I disagreed with almost everything you said. It was a great sermon. I love that. She was listening. She followed it. She didn't agree with it. But she knew I had put it together right. I love that. People have been preaching for a long time in one form or another. As a reform movement was mounting against the Roman Catholic Church in the 16th century, a new expression of worship was being formed, and the spoken word began to take more important role in the protesting churches, the Protestant churches. The centerpiece of Roman Catholic theology was and is the sacrament of Holy Communion. The centerpiece of Protestant worship became something different. The spoken word came to take priority over the sacramental word. That spoken word, however, was not new. Preaching is just oral communication. So people have been doing that since there have been stumps to jump on and street corners to stand on and lecterns to lean on. People have been gathering crowds with whom to share their wisdom or gathering crowds who could just magnify the sound of the speaker's own voice. Preaching comes in many styles and volumes and lengths and offers many different messages. An African-American colleague once asked me about my preaching. He wanted to know if I hooped when I preached. (laughs) Hooping is a particularly emotive style of worship and preaching in which the preacher gets into a kind of rhythm and punctuates every point with an expressive vocal hoop or a holler. No, I don't hoop when I preach. I was invited to Mount Carmel Baptist a couple years ago, and in a pre-worship prayer meeting with a handful of deacons, I was asked by Brother Ron if I was going to bring it today, he said. I said, well, Brother Ron, I'm going to bring everything I brought. It's right, it's right here in my manuscript. I bring it every Sunday right here in my manuscript. I was glad to know after worship that Brother Ron seemed satisfied that I had brought it that day. Yeah, there are preaching styles and there are listening styles, plural. Some congregations listen quietly as if this were a lecture. Maybe they are sitting on their hands or biting their tongues, but they sit and listen without making a peep. And that's generally fine with me. That's the style of listening I was trained to do. I appreciate the attention to reverence. I cannot say, though, that I don't occasionally enjoy a little response when I preach. I'm not encouraging any style of worship other than our own. 
In fact, I have noticed recently a little more noise in the sanctuary as I've come in before worship begins. And I'll have to tell you, I'm a little bit anxious about that. I really do like the quiet way we begin worship coming into the sanctuary and giving some reverent moments to meditation and reflection before we begin to worship is a helpful, healthy practice for a busy, noisy world. I hope we will not lose that practice. So I don't plan to change my preaching style. I'm not asking us to change our worship style. I don't plan to start hooping as I preach, and I don't want you to start hollering in response. But occasionally, if the Spirit moves, I want you to be able to respond. After my sermon on Pentecost Sunday, I have never been more surprised. I said, may it be so. And as I turned to walk to my seat, you broke out into applause. It has never happened before. In fact, I can count on one hand the times in 16 years that someone said as much as an amen during a sermon but it is meaningful when it happens. Some preachers find it so meaningful and so helpful that they ask for that response. Amy's already prompted our children with that. They make an important point and they prompt their listeners, can I get an amen? You know, if I said to you, today's sermon is going to be shorter than usual, can I get an amen? I might get an amen. I'm just kidding about that. Can I get an amen? The preacher wants to know you are listening, and that, can I get an amen, is just her way of keeping you on your toes, or his way of helping to prompt you to a spirit of response, to prompt you to a spirit of response. May it be so. Now, did you hear that? We end every sermon with those words, may it be so. I don't know how that started happening, but for years we've done that. Every sermon ends, may it be so. And we end with those words because we want you to respond. We need you to respond. Those four little words are a preacher's prayer that something just spoken will be worthy of further reflection, of active reaction, of thoughtful response. It is our own way of saying at the end of a sermon, can I get an amen? And what is an amen? Well, it's just a hoop. You understand? It's just a hoop. It's a made-up word that is a vocalization of something that happens in your heart. In many African-American churches, this tradition has developed far beyond just saying amen to the preacher. Congregants encourage their preachers with all kinds of shouts, preach, preacher. Yes, sir, say it. A couple of years ago, in one of our too few and too far between combined services with an African-American church in town, Rich Dower told me that he was sitting in the congregation right in front of a man who was particularly vocal during the sermon. After a number of different encouragements to the preacher, the preacher made a, a point that obviously the man really thought a lot of, and he reached out behind Rich and he said, make that sausage, preacher. Preacher. 
<laughs> now we're still trying to figure out exactly what make that sausage means, but it was something like saying amen. It came out of his heart and it came out of his mouth. Make that sausage. The word amen comes from the Hebrew language and it developed as a response to a message that someone else brought. Amen is just a verbal heart word, a spirit utterance. It is soul speak at its finest. But if you want to try to translate it, it means something like, may it be so. You know, I just heard what you said, preacher, and I like that. That's the way it needs to be. That's a great point. I've got to remember that. Thank you for reminding us. Let's make that happen. May it be so. Amen. In the Hebrew text of our Old Testament and in the Jewish tradition, the word always follows the message. But in the New Testament, there is a peculiar usage, especially in the Gospel of John. Amy has shared this with you where Jesus begins 25 of his teachings, begins 25 of his teachings by saying, verily, verily, I say to you. The word verily is just a translation of the Greek word amen, which is a transliteration that is a letter-for-letter exchange from the Hebrew. The same thing happens in English sometimes. For words that are especially difficult to translate, or for a word that a translator wants to maintain uh, more of the original essence, rather than translating the word, the translator has just created a new word. So Aleph in Hebrew becomes Alpha in Greek, and it becomes the letter A in English. Main becomes Mu, which becomes M. Noon becomes Nu, which becomes N. And Amen in Greek, it's on the front cover of your bulletin, and that's the way they pronounce it in Hebrew. Amen in Greek just becomes Amen in, excuse me, Amen in Hebrew becomes Amen in Greek and becomes Amen in English. It's the same letters, the same word. Jesus uses this word which is significant in all language, to begin his sayings. Scholars generally agree that his usage conveys Jesus' self-understanding of his own authority. Where most speakers make their pronouncements and wait for an amen from the audience, their authority comes from the audience. Jesus begins with the affirmation. Amen, amen, I say to you. The Gospels were not written until after Paul wrote this text, but Paul obviously also believed in the authority of Jesus. He says to his congregation in Corinth, For in Jesus, every one of God's promises is a yes. Could there be higher praise? Everything God promises, every hope we have about the divine finds its yes in Jesus. Wow. For this reason, it is through Jesus that we say the amen to the glory of God. Jesus is the amen to all Christian worship. We begin with the authority of his example, and his living and dying are the fulfillment of all God wants to do in this world. 
Can I get an amen? That's what we're hoping for when we preach. Just a little amen. It's not just ego. Now, of course, no one stands in front of any crowd offering any message who doesn't like approval, but that's not why we preach. We actually believe this thing called gospel truth. We believe that the way of Jesus actually does lead to life, that the way of self-emptying love is the only means of being filled that, the only, uh, that only when we give our lives can we keep our lives. Only when we lose our lives will we save our lives, find our lives. We believe His upside-down message that the last will be first, and the first will be last, and the least will be the greatest. We believe that upside-down teaching is the only way to right our sinking ships individually and collectively. Jesus' way is the way that leads to life. The sermon, as I have conceived it, is one long, continuous message. My sermon at Park Road Baptist Church has now been going on for 16 years. One long, continuous message. Sunday after Sunday, we offer a new chapter, but it's always the same message When I preach, I hear echoes of themes from other sermons in my own preaching. I sometimes quote lines verbatim from old sermons. Sometimes I can remember the sermon specifically. Sometimes I can't. I often make allusion to other insights from other sermons. It all is connected together to me. It's all part of a whole. One message that I really believe can change the world. My sermons won't change the world. That's not what I'm saying to you. I'm saying that the truth behind every good sermon can and will change the world if you respond. My old band director used to tell me that if you could really play the first four bars of any piece of music, And the last four bars of that piece, it did not matter how you played the rest. How you begin and how you end are all that matters. It's what they hear. It's what they remember. That's all that counts. So we begin each week, we begin this same old sermon each week anew, trying to shed a little light on gospel truth. But we have to leave the most important part of the message in your hands. You are the end of every sermon. If you don't respond, if, you, if, if these are just words that stay within these walls, if our preaching is just about the preacher or just about the words, then you and I are both wasting our time. So every Sunday... We preach, and then we pray, may it be so. God, let them get it. God, let them take this from here and do something in our world. Jesus 
is the amen. And you are the best chance we have of the world really understanding that. Can I get an amen? May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.